This episode is brought to you by Hoka One One. With a bold and unexpected approach, Hoka empowers athletes of all levels to feel like they can fly. Born in the mountains and built with enhanced cushioning and a uniquely smooth ride, Hoka running and hiking footwear is designed to propel you forward. Hoka innovates fearlessly to build the best trail running and hiking footwear and apparel to meet the needs of a wide variety of athletes. For more information, visit hokaoneone.com or follow at hokaoneone on Instagram. It's time to fly. Over 600 years ago in 15th century Japan, Shogun Ashikaga Yoshimitsu broke his favorite mug. Well, it was actually a ceremonial teacup, but he loved this cup so much he sent it to China to be repaired. It was returned intact, but with unattractive metal staples holding the ceramic pieces together. Ashikaga Yoshimitsu was furious. So he ordered his craftsmen to divine a more elegant solution. They fastened the broken pieces together using lacquer dusted with gold, not to conceal the cracks, but to draw attention to them. This is the Japanese art of ceramic repair called kintsugi, which means golden joinery or to patch with gold. You've probably seen it somewhere, a bowl or a cup cobwebbed with bright golden braids, like a little lightning bolt preserved in pottery. By the 17th century, kintsugi was a common practice in Japan and had evolved into more of a philosophy than just an aesthetic principle. Often, we try to repair things that are broken to make them seem good as new. But what kintsugi does is a direct contradiction to the idea of finding beauty in perfection. By dusting the lacquer with gold, artists draw attention to the repair itself, oftentimes more so than the actual pottery. Not just aesthetic value, literal gold embedded in the cracks. Kintsugi draws heavily on the Eastern philosophy of wabi-sabi, or finding beauty in things that are flawed and imperfect. It's the idea that a conspicuous, artful repair actually adds value to the original. It's a radical transformation from useless to priceless, from broken to whole. While I'm paging through images of kintsugi pottery, I'm fixated by the organic shimmering lines that crisscross the pottery, holding it together while setting it apart. I think that what pulls me in is almost a sense of relief, that there's an aesthetic sensibility that recognizes and celebrates imperfection, a candid photo rather than an airbrushed portrait. It's a different kind of alchemy rather than transforming something into gold realizing that it was precious all along. This is DNF from Trail Runner Magazine, a podcast about failure in life and running. I'm Zoe Rome. Yeah, so I signed up for a trail race on accident about 10 years ago. This is Ben Gibbard. If his name doesn't sound familiar, his voice might. What's going on, Las Vegas? Thanks for sticking around. This band's called Death Cab for Cutie. We're from Seattle, Washington. Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie fame. Or, if you're really into mid-aughts indie music, Ben Gibbard of the Postal Service fame. 
you know, the one who wrote the song that we've all put on a mixtape and given to someone who is almost certainly married by now. Anyway. And I signed up for a 30K because it seemed like that seemed like a distance that was more than a half marathon, but less than a marathon, obviously. So it seemed like an amount I could kind of bite off uh, at that time. So I signed up for this race and I'm just standing around and all these people are, we're all waiting to start this race. And I turn to somebody and I'm like, where is this race going? And he's like, looks at me like I'm insane. He's like, no, we're going up there. That's that, that we're going that way. And I just had no idea that I'd signed up for a trail race. I thought it was a road race. Ben was not prepared for a trail race. So I'm, I'm wearing like some Brooks Adrenaline and, uh, you know, some stupid hydro pack, like a not a cool one. You know, the race starts. I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing this. And I had a blast. It was it was so much fun. And I was I ran with a couple people who were doing the 50K, which sounded like an insane distance. I couldn't even fathom that that was a thing people did. I, I literally did not know that people ran further than a marathon at that point. It seems kind of late in the game for somebody to not realize that, but I, I had no idea. I was asking them like, how do you even train for something like that? And they were being very kind to me and answering my questions. And then I finished the race and I was just completely destroyed because I'd never run that kind of vertical profile before. And I also didn't know that you could hike a little bit. <laughs> you know, I thought you had to run the whole time. So I was just completely destroyed and I was totally hooked. Ben grew up in Bremerton, Washington and started Death Cab for Cutie while studying engineering at Western Washington University in 1997. It started as a solo project while Ben was a student, but eventually grew to be the well-known indie rock quartet. Ben's first album was a cassette called You Can Play These Songs With Chords, recorded in his basement. Death Cab started to gain a form of indie notoriety and had a few songs featured on popular TV shows and in movies like Wedding Crashers. The more Ben identified as a musician, the more he turned to running as an escape. When I was younger, every fiber of my being was wrapped up in playing music all the time. And when I wasn't writing music or playing music, I was thinking about music, I was reading about music, I was thinking about my own songs, I was you know, thinking about songs I wanted to write, you know, I was, you know, so much of my headspace was taken up with, you know, the silly barroom politics of the music industry or the scene or whatever record label that we were on or whatever. And, you know, when I started doing this sport, it just gave me a really good counterbalance to all the time I spend in my head doing music. Creative work, like every other kind of work, is just that. Work. It's less inspired than you might think, and at times just feels like emotional data entry. Rather than waiting for a muse or some kind of divine inspiration, sometimes you just have to try stuff out, rearrange chords, rearrange words, sitting and thinking, thinking and sitting. Ben would spend hours in his studio trying to make something out of nothing, plucking at his guitar, scribbling couplets in a notebook. It was hard work. So when I started running trails and, and running ultras and training for ultra marathons and going on these long runs, you know, either by myself or with groups of people, it just gave me this other identity that I could, I could, I could be in, where I was still Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, but on the trail with my friends, that has become an incredibly important part of how I'm, I counterbalance all this time that I spend in my head being the singer and songwriter of Death Cab for Cutie. Because when I'm in that space, 
it's an all-encompassing identity. But to step into this other identity where I'm an ultra runner, I can leave all that behind. And then when I do come back into my studio to work on music or I step back into that identity as a performer or what have you, I'm able to have a much more perspective on the insignificance of what I do in that world. Ben uses running as a social and emotional counterweight to balance out the time he spends writing and working in his studio. And anyone who's spent enough time running knows that it is one of the most potent checks on an artificially inflated sense of self that one can get. The ego death that you get from completely blowing up on an ultra or hitting that phase where everything falls, when you fall into that flow state where everything falls away and you're just a being in space and nothing else matters for that period of time, that's an incredibly important thing, I think, for me as an artist is to be able to get away from my identity as an artist and just be a being in space and not be thinking about my work or my legacy or the the show that we're playing or the record we just made or whatever it might be. It's an incredibly important way to kind of remove the ego that so many people in my line of work end up being eaten alive by. While Ben's music career in Death Cab for Cutie was doing as well as ever, some good reviews, some good sales, and Grammy nominations, cracks were forming in Ben's personal life. His marriage of three years ended in sudden divorce, albeit amicable. You know, everybody I know who's ever gone through a divorce, there's this sense of you eventually get to a place of acceptance of like, yeah, this wasn't going to work out and it's going to be better in the long run that this is the case. But when you're in the midst of it, it's incredibly sad. Breakups are hard. Divorce is even harder, especially in the public eye. Ben had left the Pacific Northwest and moved to L.A., a town that, judging by the fact he had written a song about it called Why'd You Want to Live Here, he didn't exactly gel in his new surroundings. That friction caused fissures in the rest of his life as well. And it comes with this, you know, sense of failure. And it feels like a little death. It, it feel, it's a death of the future. You saw your life progressing in a certain way, and now your life is no longer heading in that direction. That, you know, there's a big blockade at the end of that road and you can't go any further, and that's the end of that road. Even when, you, even when these things are expected or you know that you're, you know, this is going to be a, an outcome, it's still incredibly painful and difficult. So Ben packed his things into his Prius and pointed it north. Breakups inevitably leave us all with a little extra time on our hands. And Ben was able to throw himself into trail running more than ever before. It wasn't like I took all of this anger and sadness and frustration and I just put it all and I just ran it out of my body on the trail. It wasn't like that. But it did give me these moments of respite where I could get into a state where not only did the band not matter for those handful of hours, but whatever emotional roller coaster I'd been on kind of like got put on pause for a while. And I think that having an activity that that you can put these really heavy feelings on pause for periods of time is incredibly important for moving through it and the emotional growth that comes with that. Ben wasn't trying to run away from what happened, just trying to create a bit of momentary distance between himself and it so he could see it from a new angle. You know, any breakup, any divorce, whatever, you're, you're going to have these moments where you're just, you're in the feeling. You're just up to your neck in it and you feel like you're drowning in it. But then you're also allowed moments where you can climb out on shore and just like take a break from it. And so that was 
to me, ultra running and trail running became an, an, such an important place for that, that I could go where I could be away. I could kind of put all those like that roller coaster on pause for a second and just be in a beautiful, natural space. While he was able to temporarily pause and process tough feelings while running, they inevitably came up again when Ben walked into the recording studio. Most people, when they get married, stand up in front of everyone they know <laughs> and tell everybody that they're going to stay with this person until the day they die, right? That's, that's the charade that we go through um, when we go to a wedding. Everybody, everybody for a moment ignores uh, the reality that half of marriages end in divorce. And everybody, uh, you know, the people who are getting married, of course, kind of make these large pronouncements uh, about their love for the other person. And, you know, certainly in those moments, they're, they're very, very real emotions. But I think, I think part of the sense of failure and, dare I say, even humili humiliation come from having to tell the people that came to your wedding from God knows where, right? Flew in from all over the country or whatever, that, yeah, it's not working out, we're splitting. And for me, at least, that is a large part of where the failure comes from. Is like, I made a promise in front of all of my friends and family, and uh, I, we are reneging on that promise. Ben didn't set out to make a breakup album, but he had just gone through a breakup and he was making an album. When Ben first tried to sit down and write about what had happened, he was stuck. He struggled with writing lyrics that people would be able to recognize the subject of or try to pin things on another real human person out in the world. People could try to put a face to the lyrics, even if they were wrong. Early in the writing process, Ben reached out to his friend and singer-songwriter Jenny Lewis of Rilo Kylie and also being Jenny Lewis fame. She gave him some advice. She was like, no, screw that. You go all you go all in. Like, do not pull any punches. Do not be fearless. Like, just go into it. Just just walk right through it. And don't don't apologize and don't, you know, don't try to veil things you don't you wouldn't veil five years ago. So Ben leaned in hard. The tricky thing about songwriting, unlike other mediums like film or novels, people judge a work's merit partially based on its authenticity and their ability to place the songwriter in that work. This felt creatively and emotionally stifling for Ben. As soon as you try to tell a story from your perspective, you're creating a piece of fiction because your perspective is inherently flawed. And and it's also your your perspective is inherently flawed. And we tend to shift details and create couplets and rhymes and things for the betterment of the piece of work, not to accurately depict the moment in which the song is taking place. That's even another reason to never be fearful as a songwriter of whether or not people are going to read too much into a certain piece of work. Just because something isn't real doesn't make it not true. When you read a Murakami book or you see a Paul Thomas Anderson film or whatever, you're not watching those, you're not watching that film or reading that book basing your judgment of that piece of work on whether or not that thing happened to them, whether or not the plot of that movie or book are events from these people's lives. You know, if I decided to write an entire record about being a coal miner in the 19th century, it could be the greatest record I've ever written, but people would find it inauthentic because I clearly was not a coal miner in the 19th century. Ben set out to make something both real and true. More? after the break. 
episode is brought to you by Hoka One One. With a bold and unexpected approach, Hoka empowers athletes of all levels to feel like they can fly. Born in the mountains and built with enhanced cushioning and a uniquely smooth ride, Hoka trail running, road running, hiking, walking, and fitness footwear is designed to propel you forward. Hoka innovates fearlessly to build the best performance footwear and apparel to meet the running, walking, fitness, and outdoor needs of a wide variety of athletes. For more information and to see the stories of athletes who inspire us to overcome obstacles, be our authentic selves, and find joy in movement, visit hokaoneone.com or follow at hokaoneone on Instagram. And tag at hokaoneone and use the hashtag #timetofly when you post on social media for the chance to be featured on their channels. It's time to fly. Ben Gibbard was working on the next Death Cab for Cutie album. He decided to call the album Kintsugi after the Japanese art of ceramic repair. I think it accurately depicts the process of of uh, healing after something that has shaken your world so much. the The record being named Kintsugi is an obvious reference to the songs, as you know, the songs are the cracks of gold within me, the songwriter. There's nothing more exciting than getting to look under the hood of someone else's creative engine. For Ben, songwriting was a prism that he could shine the light of his life through to see what thoughts and feelings came out the other side. There's a quote by one of my other favorite songwriters, Leonard Cohen. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Because when you write about something that's painful, you remove it from yourself and you place it literally on a piece of paper or in my case in a computer you know with my voice and it allows you a distance that more times than not gives people an opportunity to see their scenario and their pain through a different set of eyes or you know a different set of ears that are not you know the voice in your head all the time in life Cracks are inevitable. We're all just a bunch of fragile mugs, and you're gonna get roughed up. We don't have a choice there, but we can choose what we mend those cracks with. Sometimes when rupture happens in our own lives, we try to fill it with the worst things imaginable. When you feel broken, it seems like there's always a quick fix in some superficial love or substance or external validation, but it never works only thing that's ever really held my mug together is recognizing that repair is an ongoing and beautifully imperfect process. Maybe you fill those cracks with music or art or trail running or podcasting, but whatever it is, you have a choice. The things we make can heal other people's wounds too. People have played Death Cab for Cutie at weddings, funerals, and everywhere in between. It's truly a sonic Swiss army knife of emotion. The reason I make music is because there's a there's something something that I want to express a moment of joy or moment of sadness or extended periods of melancholy or more times than not just the little moments in life that you you can't capture with a camera you can't capture them with your phone you can't make a video of it because the elements 
that make that moment are not transferable by a digital medium. It's it, you can't you, you know you're there with your friends and you're climbing the mountain, you're looking out at you know, this amazing expanse, and then someone tells you something incredibly personal that you never thought that they would tell you, and then they immediately change the subject. Like there's no way to kind of capture that in the moment and make it something that is relays the emotional weight of that moment. So as a songwriter, I I revel in those in trying to kind of present moments like that either from my own life or moments that I've been experienced with other people or that other people have told me about. I guess I, th I think that if I, if I've felt compelled to write about something, there's a pretty good chance that someone else has maybe had that same thought, but perhaps I'm able to present it in a way that allows other people to see themselves through my voice, my words, and make, and, and I think when those moments happen, they make us feel less alone. Ben didn't set out to write a breakup record to make other people feel better. He wrote it to make himself feel better. And because his goal was to make something real, honest, and pure for himself, it ended up resonating with a lot of other people too. It reminds me of a quote by my sixth favorite poet, W.H. Auden, Poetry might be defined as the clear expression of mixed feelings. This album, Kintsugi, came out around the time of my first real, earth-shaking, devastating breakup. I remember listening to it, because I'm a glutton for emotional punishment, while trying to pack my books up. And I couldn't tell which ones were mine anymore and which ones were his, and that made me feel like I couldn't even separate in my own head what thoughts were mine, what likes, memories, preferences, and parts of my own personality which ones I'd pack up and which ones I'd leave behind on someone else's shelf. There is something that we carry with us from every relationship that has failed in our lives. And if we're able to, you know, walk through those moments, really be in ourselves and, and, and feel all the feelings and talk to people about the feelings, whether it's your friends or a therapist or somebody, you know, you, you can achieve a level of perspective that allows you to move on. And there will always be a part of you that is like connected to that person, whether or not you ever want to see them ever again. The thing is, I very much doubt Death Cab for Cutie, or really most great music, would exist if it weren't for the tough stuff. Almost none of the good music, books, or movies of all time are written about how easy interpersonal relationships are and how consistently fun life is. So I asked the guy who penned most of the backing tracks to my own heartache for breakup advice. You have to walk through your pain. You have to feel it. You have to, you have to allow yourself to feel everything uh, because the sooner and more fearlessly that you walk through your pain, the sooner you will be on the other side of it. This doubles as the best advice I've ever gotten about ultra running as well. Relationships, like songwriting or trail running, are all about failure, about learning how to mess up, then back away to get a clearer picture of what happened so you can avoid making the same mistakes next time. When you're kind of going back through everything and you're kind of doing like the diagnostics on <laughs> everything that led up to any relationship kind of falling apart, you recognize that you were there the whole time. You were participating in this relationship coming out of these kind of moments, I mean, and they, they're not just romantic relationships, they're friendships, they're, you know, 
bandmates, their coworkers, whatever it might be. I think with time, what I always hope to, the place I always hope to find myself is back where I'm seeing everything that I liked about this person. I can recognize the things that made me fall in love with this person or that made me want to play music with them or want, made, me want, made me want to start this business venture with them or whatever it might be. That you get back to a place where you recognize the person's humanity again, their, your own, your, the fact that you, you yourself have been a participant in all of these things. And not to say that you are equally to blame. It's not so much about blame as it is like, yeah, sometimes relationships just kind of fall apart. Sometimes maybe we're not meant that everyone we meet to maintain like an intense relationship relationship with that person until the day we die. You know, take something like a friendship. I've had friendships that were that burned really hot for a short period of time and then they just kind of fizzled out. And sometimes I'd be like, well, you know, like screw that guy. We were like such good friends and we da 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 da. But then you go like, you know what? No, that was a pretty good time. We were we experienced a lot together. We shared a lot. And maybe this person was not meant to be in my life until the day I died or until the day they died. Maybe this was just, this was the period of time that I was, you know, and I certainly learned a lot and laughed a lot and whatever else uh, in that period. And, and now it's over. And now we move on to another chapter in our lives. A breakup doesn't mean that you're bad at relationships. It means that you'll be better in the next one. The only relationship failures are the ones we don't learn from. And that doesn't make it suck any less. And yes, it is just a story we tell ourselves to feel better, but it's also the difference between stapling yourself back together or using fabulous glitter glue. Ben says he's embraced failure in songwriting in a similar way to how he's embraced it in trail running. In baseball, the people who fail seven times out of 10 are the greatest players to ever play the game. And I think that... As a songwriter, I write a lot of stuff. I write a lot of material. But I'm I'm now at this point releasing an average of what, 12 songs, 13 songs every, I don't know, what, every two or three years, you know? I, as a musician, am constantly failing. I'm failing all the time. If just based on the number of songs, you know, it's like the number of songs that end up getting released to the public. And then when it, within those songs, the songs that really that people really connect to. That's even a smaller you know, group of songs. Like not every record we make, everybody's like, every song on this record is my favorite song. That, that never happens. You know, it's really just, you know, there are songs on every record, I would hope that people who've been fans of the band connect to and they like, and they're like, yeah, I'm not really big on that record, but I love those songs. And that record has a bunch of songs I like. Um, and as a runner and as an ultra runner, I mean, you're really just setting yourself up for failure, like a lot, you know, because... The idea of going out and executing, you know, even just long training runs or long races, whatever it might be, you know, there are these, you know, small moments of failure in every race I've ever run and every training run I've ever done where, you know, you're X amount of miles into something and you're just like, what am I doing out here? The weather's terrible. Like, I hate this. And that's like a small moment of failure. And then you pick yourself up and you go, all right, you know what? Like, screw it. Let's just keep going. I'll get it back to the car. And then maybe I'll skip tomorrow. And then you get back to the car. And like, actually, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good now. I'm glad I finished that. And to get unstuck, sometimes you just need to take a gel and drink some Coke. And the same goes for, you know, every low that I've had in a race where I just, I kept going. I was like, yeah, like, you know, like I ran a hundred miler last September and 
you know, in the middle of the day, hot period of the day. I'm like, what am I doing out here? I'm doing four loops out here. What, what's the purpose of this? It's so stupid. And then you go, no, what? you know what? Just like, let's get to the next aid station. Just get some food, get some Coke. Like you'll be fine. And then eventually that feeling goes away. But that was a period of failure. You're, you're, you failed the mental game for a couple hours or whatever it is. You write a first draft, then a second draft and a third. Go to couples counseling or therapy. You have to have the courage to dive into relationships you're psyched on and the bravery to leave ones that no longer serve you. What matters most is that you don't give up. It's really just a matter of not giving in, be it creatively or as a runner, not throwing your hands up at every small failure and instead, you know, putting the pen back on the paper or putting the foot, your foot in front of the other one and just trying to kind of work through it. And then that failure, that small failure becomes part of a larger story. And Ben didn't give up. He's released several albums, run a dozen races, and even gotten remarried since then. A few years ago, Ben took his partner to Edinburgh, Scotland for a surprise engagement. He planned to propose to her on the dramatic windswept peaks of King Arthur's seat above the city, which did not go exactly as planned. I had the ring in my jacket and she was like dragging ass because she was like super jet lagged and like, so she was just like in a bad mood. And I was like, man, am I doing this? I guess I'm going to do this. And that kind of changed, turned the day around. But it was like, yeah, she was because she's like, you keep going ahead of me. I don't know why you're always ahead of me. I'm like, I cannot go slow enough right now to go at the pace that you're going, which is like slower than hiking because you're in a really bad mood right now. And also, I'm trying to scout places to ask you to marry me. And you're not going to know that for like another 20 minutes. But she said yes. And they got married because humans are nothing if not optimistic. We break things and then invent entirely new art forms to fix them. This podcast itself is a kind of kintsugi. I take hours-long interviews and deliberately slice and dice them, then reassemble and weld together other people's stories with my words. It's not perfect, but it is something that investigates perfection that would get in the way of vulnerability. It's taking the engine apart so that you can learn to put it back together. Some of us are going to write one of the greatest love songs of all time about the wrong person. The rest of us are going to put that song on an embarrassing mixtape and give it to the wrong person. That's just how it goes. But we don't stop writing songs and we don't stop making mixtapes and we don't quit running races. Because that's the stuff that holds the rest of us together. This episode of DNF was written and produced by me, Zoe Rome, for Trail Runner Magazine. Big thanks to Brett Farrell for introducing me to Ben. Brett owns Territory Running Company, which makes really awesome hats, shirts, backpacks, and he's supported my creative work since the very beginning. Thanks so much, Brett. Theme music by the band Lotus. Other music is written and performed by Bitbeak and Banana Cactus. If you like this podcast, take a second to rate and review it on your favorite platform. You can find this episode and other installments of DNF at trailrunnermag.com. <laughs>